Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dead America, Carolina Front, Part 6. Dead America, The Third Week, Book 10. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter 1. Day Zero Plus Twenty The sun was still well below the horizon as Terrell walked with purpose from his bunkhouse. He carried no weapon other than his knife, though the trauma from the previous day weighed heavily on him. The night air was cool, but it did nothing to cool the rage still flowing through his veins from the loss of his young friend Walter. As he stalked across the courtyard of the town, he tried to force away the horrific click of his empty rifle as he tried to save the kid from the murderous Mario, echoing forever in his mind. He clenched his jaw, schooling his expression as he approached the main gate. Hoyt was on duty, standing tall on the raised platform. His partner, a young teenager, snoozed next to him, splayed across the wood with his hand thrown over his eyes. Terrell avoided looking at him, Images of Walter's sprawled, dead body dancing in his mind's eye, torturing him. The captain kept his voice low to avoid waking the kid. What do you say, Hoyt? He asked. You're up early today, Hoyt replied, raising an eyebrow. Lots to get done today, Terrell said with a nod. No time to be sleeping. The older man pursed his lips for a moment surveying the anger and determination still playing across the captain's face. Your friend told me what happened. Did he now? Terrell tried to keep the annoyance from his tone and failed miserably. Hoyt nodded firmly. Yep, he said. You need to know that it wasn't your fault. No offense, the captain said, tone curt. But it's a lot easier for you to say that when you weren't there. The guard noticed the subtle venom in Terrell's voice and opened his mouth to say something else, but thought better of it and closed it again. The two stood there, staring out into the darkness for a silent moment. The kid broke the silence with a soft snore, breaking the tension and allowing a small smile to creep across Terrell's face. He been like this long? He asked quietly. Hoyt chuckled. About a half hour or so. Well, you let him sleep as long as he wants to, Terrell said. There's far too much horror out there that'll still be here when he wakes up. The guard nodded. I'll keep good watch while he's out. How's it going tonight? The captain asked, crossing his arms. Any action? Had a few of those things roaming a couple hundred yards away, Hoyt replied with a shrug. Probably heard our nightly visitors from the other camp. Terrell's gaze darkened. So they're still keeping tabs on us? Just at night, Hoyt replied, guessing they want to make sure we aren't doing something or other. As far as I'm concerned, as long as they stay out there, they can do whatever they like. The captain cocked his head. Where did you spot them last? Hoyt pointed out into the distance. See that little house there on the horizon? Terrell squinted. Left side of the road, he asked. 
That's the one, the guard replied with a nod. They hole up in there most nights. The captain raised his chin. You see them leave yet? Not tonight, Hoyt said with a shake of his head. Terrell patted him on the shoulder and turned away from the platform. You may hear some gunfire, he said over his shoulder. Don't panic. Hoyt's brow furrowed, but he nodded. I won't do anything until you tell me otherwise, he said. Appreciate it, Terrell replied. You have a good rest of your night. He headed over to the side street barricade, a haphazard structure made of cars, hay bales, and some cheap metal siding. He clambered up on top of it, and then hopped down on the other side, landing with a thud from the seven-foot drop. The noise attracted a zombie that had been skulking at the end of the next building. It had once been a middle-aged man, clothes unrecognizable, considering the guts hanging out of its stomach. Terrell casually walked up to it, pulled out his knife, and stabbed it in the eye socket on the way past, barely breaking stride. The corpse crumpled to the ground as he ventured out into the darkness. The low light provided the captain enough cover to work his way up towards the house that Hoyt had pointed out. Even with the dim, barely moonlit conditions, he moved quickly between cover spots, stopping periodically to check to make sure there was no movement ahead. When he was within 30 yards of the house, he ducked down by a tree. He peered inside, seeing some lights flickering in the front room, likely from some kind of lantern. Shadows of at least two people danced on the wall. If I can just get in through the back, he thought, they'll never know what hit them. As he contemplated his next move, however, there was a rustling behind him. He whipped around, and there was a lone zombie shambling up towards him. It was smaller than the last, a little blonde that looked like it weighed no more than 110 pounds. It extended its arm, bloody mouth opening, and Terrell drew his knife. A smile played his lips, and he sheathed it again. Oh yeah, that's a lot more fun, he thought to himself, as an idea popped into his head. As the ghoul approached him, he smacked its outstretched hand to the side, causing it to spin. It groaned as its fresh meal vanished from sight, and then snarled as Terrell grabbed a fistful of its hair and back of the shirt. Settle down, girl, you aren't gonna feel a thing, he thought, as the zombie thrashed about from being controlled by his arm-locked movements. Terrell broke cover, forcing the wriggling creature to lead the way. He lifted it slightly off of the ground, blood-soaked sneakers kicking at the tips of the grass beneath. When he reached the window that the light was coming from, he stopped just short of it and then lunged forward with the ghoul. He let go, sending the corpse hurtling through the air and smashing through the window. As soon as it hit the floor, panicked screams erupted inside. As his enemies fumbled around, Terrell ran for the front door, kicking it in as soon as he reached it. He burst inside, taking in the zombie latching onto a man's calf. He shrieked and tried to kick it away, but to no avail. The other man fumbled with his rifle, completely unaware of the captain's presence, attempting to save his screaming friend. Terrell drew his knife and lashed out, grabbing the rifleman's forehead, jerking his head back before slitting his throat from behind. The other man watched in helpless horror as his partner fell to the ground. The zombie climbed him like a tree and Terrell launched his knife end over end through the air, catching it in the head. 
The corpse went limp on top of the panicked man, and Terrell strode over just as he shoved the rotted meat sack off of him and tried to crawl for his weapon. The captain stepped in front of him, blocking his path, and kicked him square in the face. The man flipped over onto his back with the force of the blow, moaning and holding his nose in pain. Terrell retrieved his knife from the zombie's head and then hopped down, planting his knees on his new prisoner's chest. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the man mumbled through his bloody face. Terrell sneered down at him. What are you sorry for, he asked. I'm sorry, the boss made us, the man babbled. The boss didn't make you do shit, the captain snapped. You could have said no, you could have driven away in any direction, yet here you are, leg all torn up and crying like a little bitch because you didn't have any balls. The man whimpered in fear at Terrell's cold tone. I'm so sorry, he pleaded. Not nearly sorry enough, the captain seethed. He sliced through the man's throat like butter and watched with satisfaction as he gasped for air, blood pouring from his flesh as his body went limp. After, Terrell slammed the blade into his eye socket to make sure he didn't have a runner on his hands. The captain wiped his blade off on the man's shirt before sheathing it again and then confiscating the weapons. They had two hunting rifles and a handgun, as well as a bag of hunting rifle ammunition. He looked over the room to make sure there wasn't anything else he could use and then headed back out into the night. It didn't seem to matter how many of these assholes he killed. His rage still boiled hot. He stepped out into the darkness, guns draped over his shoulder. He stopped for a moment to look at the sun just peeking over the horizon. Terrell raised his chin. I'm gonna make all of your friends wish they'd never fucked with the people of this town. Chapter Two Hoyt stood on his platform, watching Terrell saunter casually up to the front gate, bathed in the golden light of the morning sun, new weapons bouncing on his shoulder. The guard gently nuzzled his sleeping partner, and the kid jumped awake, blinking rapidly at the older man. Come on now, we gotta get this gate open, Hoyt said. The young man rubbed his eyes and peeled himself off of the wood, getting to his feet. They both headed down from the platform and unlocked the gate, pulling it open. Terrell didn't even break stride, just strolling right on in. Morning, young man, he said brightly to the kid who still had large bags beneath his tired eyes. You get a good nap in? Hoyt chuckled at the young man's confused expression and then motioned to Terrell's guns. Looks like you found a little treasure trove there, he said. These? The captain asked, giving his bundle a pat. Yeah, the original owners didn't need them anymore, so I decided to give them a good home. He took one of the rifles off and handed it to the guard, who nodded politely. I appreciate it, he said, keeping a good poker face going, despite the understanding that the old owners were dead. I'll give it a good home. Terrell looked to the town square, where June and Ruth already had their fire going for breakfast. I swear you can set your watch by those two, he said, shaking his head. Oh, yes, sir, every single morning they're like that, Hoyt replied, with a smile at the old ladies. I bet if you asked real nice, They'd make you breakfast before anyone else. Terrell offered him a smile in return, before turning to head over to the early bird ladies. I hope so, he called over his shoulder. 
because I've already worked up an appetite today. He approached the ladies, and they both greeted him with bright smiles. Oh, would you look at that, Ruth exclaimed. Someone's up bright and early. June nodded. So good to see young folk taking advantage of all the daylight the good Lord gives us, she added. Well, ladies, I know there are a lot of impressionable young folks here, Terrell replied with a chuckle. So trying to lead by example. Ruth patted his shoulder. The world needs more people like you in it, hon, she said. June pulled out a plastic container with some eggs and chopped vegetables in it. But since you're the only one of you we got, she said, as she peeled the top off of it, we gotta take care of you. Would you like an omelet? I would love one, Terrell replied, putting a hand to his chest. Thank you. The older woman waved him off. Well, you just go have a seat on the bench over there, and I'll bring it right over, she instructed. The captain smiled and walked over to the offered bench as the ladies went to work making breakfast for him and the town. He gently laid the remaining rifle underneath it and crossed his feet at the ankles, taking a load off. He watched the town spring to life, people beginning to move about and do their daily duties. As he enjoyed the warmth of the sun on his skin, he noticed Xavier, the town leader, heading over towards him. Getting a jump start to the day, Captain? The old man asked with a smile. Terrell nodded. Plenty to get done, so no sense in waiting. Xavier glanced down at the captain's hands, noticing a bit of blood still on them. He frowned. Run into some trouble this morning, he asked, voice stern. Terrell followed his gaze and then held up one of his hands, turning it this way and that to showcase the crimson stain. As a matter of fact, I did, he declared. On the plus side, however, there are two less people out there who want to burn this town to the ground. Xavier swallowed hard, clasping his hands in front of him and shaking his head. Captain, he bit his lip. I know what you're going to say, and you can save it, Terrell replied, holding up a palm. You don't like violence, and that's fine. But right now, it's necessary. So you are either going to have to suck it up or turn a blind eye to it, because there's a lot more coming today. The old man stared down at him, eyes frustrated and conflicted. Terrell glared back at him not caring for Xavier's condescension. The captain had to do what he needed to do to protect the people in the town, the old man's feelings be damned. They stared at each other in silence, drawing out the tense moment, and then June broke it as she approached with a piping hot omelet on a plate. Morning, Mr. Xavier, she greeted cheerfully. Would you like an omelet too? He didn't answer, simply continued glaring at Terrell who graciously took his plate and took a large bite. Mmm, he groaned happily as he chewed the fluffy egg. This is some fantastic stuff as usual, June. Thank you. He smiled up at her. She patted his shoulder and then turned to Xavier, who finally snapped out of his stare down to acknowledge her. An omelet would be fantastic, June. Thank you, he said politely. She smiled and shuffled back over to the fire as Terrell continued to happily dig into his breakfast. So, Captain, Xavier continued with a sigh. If we aren't able to find the ammonium nitrate, do you have another plan to handle the potential horde from Fayetteville? Terrell shook his head. The plan hasn't changed, he said as he swallowed his mouthful. We get the nitrate, build the bomb, and send those suckers elsewhere. The old man blinked at him. 
But yesterday we, yesterday we confirmed that there is nitrate in the area, the captain cut in. Only thing we have to confirm now is the specific location. He looked past Xavier, where Coleman and Miles emerged from their bunkhouse, stretching and making their way towards the fire. And my team and I are going to take care of that today, he said. Xavier pursed his lips. If you don't find it, then we'll shift our strategy, Terrell said firmly. Until I'm confident that there's no longer a viable option, then we stay on course. Morning, Cap, Xavier, Coleman greeted as the two soldiers approached them. The old man offered them a kind smile. Gentlemen, he replied, sleep well? Like a baby after a shot of whiskey, Miles replied, stifling a yawn. Coleman looked at June and Ruth, giving them a wave and a bright smile. The old women pointed to the big breakfast skillet that they had going, prompting Coleman to grin even bigger and give them an excited thumbs up. So what's on the agenda today, Cap? He asked. Terrell cocked his head. Depends, he replied, turning to Miles. What did you find out? He asked. The tracker that we stashed on Mario went to Newton Grove, about 20 miles to the north of here, Miles replied, taking a seat next to Terrell. Looks like it's a tiny one-stoplight kind of town. Xavier shook his head. Not even that, he said. They have a roundabout in the center of town. It's a highway hub city near the interstate. Anything to indicate that's where their main compound is? Terrell asked. No clue, Miles admitted with a shrug. All I can tell is that the tracker went there right after leaving here and hasn't moved in days. Best guess is he changed his clothes and it didn't leave again. We'll just have to approach it like it is then, Terrell replied, clapping his hands together. He glanced at Coleman, who was accepting a heaping plate of food from Ruth. What do you have for us on weapons? The soldier swallowed a gigantic mouthful. Ammo is tight, but was able to scrounge up a couple of boxes for our rifles, so we should have two mags each, he replied. Only have eight shots to that hunting rifle, so hitting anything from a distance is gonna be minimal. Terrell reached down beneath the bench and grabbed the ammo bag he'd confiscated from his enemies. Think you can do some damage with that, he asked and tossed it over. Coleman shoved another mouthful of egg into his mouth as he peeked down into the bag. Oh yeah, he said with a grin. I'll never see it coming. Captain, Xavier said, clearing his throat. Once again, I'm going to ask you to please limit the unnecessary violence. Don't worry, Xavier. All my violence is necessary, Terrell replied sharply. The old man raised his chin. I'm serious, Captain, he said, gaze like steel. We've already lost far too much this month. Life must be spared if possible. I agree, Terrell said, nodding, which is why we're heading out to do what we're going to do. He got to his feet and walked away from the bench, heading for the pickup truck. Coleman and Miles finished their food and gave Xavier an apologetic shrug before returning their plates to June and Ruth and following the captain. Hoyt stood at the pickup, using a metal gas container to refill it. Done with your shift for the night? Terrell asked as he approached. The guard nodded. Oh, yes, sir, he replied. Was just getting this truck gassed up in case someone was doing a run today. Would you mind terribly if we borrowed it? Terrell asked. Hoyt smiled, shaking his head. Oh, not at all, he replied, and tossed the keys over. 
I'll do my best to bring it back in one piece, the captain said, jingling the keys in the direction of the beat-up old truck. Hoyt chuckled and patted the fiberglass. Well, if you don't, he said with a wink, I have full confidence that you'll do your best to come and dear me another one tomorrow. Terrell grinned. I mean, if you're looking for a new ride, he said, leaning in conspiratorially. You just let me know the make and model you want. I'll hook you up. I'll keep that in mind, the guard replied with a nod. You boys be safe today. He gave them a little tip of his hat and then headed off, swinging the gas can in his hand. Coleman and Miles peeked into the small front cab, and then Coleman cried, shotgun. Miles dropped his head and shook it, snapping his fingers before clambering up into the bed. Just be sure you take those bumps easy, he said, pointing a finger at Terrell. I'd rather not go flying out the back today. Oh, you're no fun, the captain quipped and got behind the wheel. He honked the horn a few times and waited for the guards to open the gates before punching the gas to drive out of the city. Xavier watched the truck disappear over the horizon, frowning in concern. Chapter Three Terrell sped up Highway 701, about halfway to their destination. The drive had been relatively quiet, with only the occasional zombie wandering out in the fields as they went by. The area was sparsely populated, with the towns they passed through having populations under a hundred. Coleman looked over at the captain, raising an eyebrow at the blood still staining his knuckles. You doing okay, Cap? He asked tentatively. Just peachy, Terrell replied with a hint of sarcasm. Why do you ask? Well, you still have blood on your hands from yesterday, Coleman said, motioning to the steering wheel. I would have thought you'd have washed it off by now. The captain shook his head. Oh, nah, it's all good, he replied. That's from this morning when I paid a visit to the guys who were always watching the town. Ah, gotcha, Coleman replied, nodding with relief. And then it hit him what Terrell was insinuating, and he blinked with surprise and a hint of amusement. The truck came around a corner with a long straightaway, up about a half a mile on the left was Hobton Middle School, a decently sized one-story building. Both soldiers noticed movement in the front parking lot, where there were a couple of SUVs. Several figures, at least four or five, moved briskly. That doesn't look good, Coleman muttered. Terrell nodded, banging on the back window. This ain't a school day, and those ain't soccer moms. Coleman scrambled for his gun, and Miles sat up, looking through the windows as Terrell sped up. When they reached within a couple hundred yards of the school, their concern was validated when they realized the figures were half a dozen men aiming weapons in their direction. Within moments, they opened fire, a bullet ripping through the front windshield. Terrell jerked the steering wheel to the right, sending the truck veering off of the road. He hit a ditch and flew through the air, sending Miles into the air and out of the bed. The truck landed awkwardly on its passenger side wheels, and Terrell overcompensated, turning the other direction. They flipped right over, sliding across the grass. You good? Terrell barked. Coleman looked around. Good, he said, but his eyes widened as he searched for his friend. Shit, Miles. Before Terrell could respond, bullets peppered his side of the truck. Your side, go, he yelled, 
and Coleman forced open the dented passenger door. He crawled out, tightening his sniper rifle on his back and clutching his assault rifle. Terrell squirmed out after him, looking around at the empty field beside them with no cover. I don't see him, Coleman said, studying the area for any sign of Miles. Gunfire continued to rain down on them, and they pressed their backs against the upside-down truck, still frantically looking for their friend. Finally, Coleman pointed to some tall grass in the distance, moving towards the road at a fairly good clip. Then it got to the ditch. They watched Miles crawl out, remaining concealed from the gunman. That's one crafty son of a bitch, Terrell said, shaking his head. Miles turned and gave them a thumbs up, motioning that he was heading across the street to flank their attackers. Let's give the man some cover then, Terrell said, checking his gun. Coleman pulled out his scoped hunting rifle and crawled on the ground to the back of the truck, which was resting flat on the ground. He peered through the scope, seeing half a dozen men set up in an ambush line behind the two SUVs. He motioned to Miles to let him know he was about to get cover. Coleman aimed carefully, seeing one of the gunmen pop up over the hood twice and fire. He honed in on where he anticipated the head to pop out again, and as soon as his enemy emerged, he fired, splitting the guy's head open like an overripe melon. Miles moved in as soon as the gunmen all ducked for cover, after their friend exploded spectacularly. He got across the road before diving to the ground in the thick, tall grass in the lot beside the school. Coleman continued to aim down range at the enemy, waiting for another one to pop up. When one finally did come into view, he quickly aimed and fired, but the bullet glanced off of the hood of the car, narrowly missing and grazing the shooter's arm. The five remaining men retreated back into the school, giving Miles a chance to strike. He aimed from about 40 yards away, squeezing off several rounds from behind as they broke away from their vehicles. One round ripped through a leg, dropping a guy to the ground. The rest of his friends rushed into the building, leaving their screaming comrade for dead. Miles dove from his hiding spot and tore towards the school. Cap, let's roll, Coleman said, leaping to his feet and running after Miles. Terrell followed him, rushing across the street. As Miles approached the school, gun raised and ready to strike, the wounded man lifted his rifle with one shaky hand, trying to aim it in his direction. Miles was so focused on the school windows that he didn't have time to adjust his aim, instead diving to the ground as the man fired, aiming high. Miles readjusted his aim, but before he could fire, Terrell leapt under the hood of the SUV, aiming his rifle down at the wounded enemy and popping a couple of rounds into his back. Coleman, meanwhile, sat up beside the school door, in case anyone decided to come out. Miles peeled himself up off of the ground, jogging up to join the other two. Damn, man, you all right? Terrell asked as he reached them. Miles nodded, rubbing his forehead. Yeah, just getting the sense you need to let someone else drive, he teased. That's two wrecks in two days there, Captain. Terrell chuckled and gave the soldier a playful smack on the chest. When Miles winced, the captain's brow furrowed, and he shot him a questioning gaze. I'm good, Miles assured him, waving him off. Let's do this. Good to see you're in one piece, Coleman said as they reached his position. His friend grinned. Wasn't for a lack of trying on their part. You had a better view. What are we up against? Terrell asked. Looks like five guys, consumer-grade weapons, 
Miles said. Hunting rifles, shotguns, didn't look particularly skilled with them either. Coleman snorted. Guess they aren't used to things shooting back at them. So what's the play? Miles asked. Terrell motioned to the doors and lifted his chin. We go in and take them out with extreme prejudice, he declared. They wanted to fight. Well, they've got one. The two soldiers nodded in concert with their captain. Terrell inclined his head to Coleman as he raised his assault rifle, ready to lead them in. He threw open the door, and Terrell moved through it, gun at the ready. The hallway was dark, illuminated only by the light behind them and the doors at the far end of the building. As soon as he got inside, Terrell moved up, and his two partners flanked him a few feet behind. There were doors on either side of the hallway, leading to classrooms all the way down. When they approached the first set, Terrell took a knee just ahead of them, scanning to make sure they weren't ambushed. Coleman tried his door first, but it was locked up tight. He turned to Terrell and shook his head to signify no. Miles tried his, and it unlatched. Coleman moved over to back him up as he threw it open. It was dark inside, with the metal shutters all closed. The little bit of light from the hallway didn't do much to show them what was there. However, a single gunshot gave away the position of the men hiding in the corner. The bullet hit the cinder block wall beside Miles, causing him to die for cover behind the teacher's desk. Coleman fired off a three-round burst in the direction of the shot. Both men stayed frosty as they moved across the room. As their eyes adjusted to the dim light, they saw that Coleman's bullets had found their target an older man with a well-groomed beard. Miles gave him a swift kick in the head, making sure that he was down for good, and then joined Terrell in the hallway. As Coleman headed back across the hall, Terrell glanced at him for a report. The soldier held up one finger and then drew it across his throat. Four more, Terrell thought, and continued to move towards the next set of classrooms. As they got a little closer, the left side door flew open up ahead, and two gunmen leapt into the hallway. Before they could fire, Terrell popped off one shot, catching one of them in the chest. The other one dove into a doorway across the hall. Miles, Terrell said, and fired off a few more shots, keeping the hiding man behind cover as Miles rushed up, pressed against the wall. When he got right beside the doorway, Terrell stopped firing. After a moment, the gunman came out to try to squeeze off another shot, but Miles was waiting and fired a point-blank bullet into the enemy's temple. The door at the very end of the hallway opened, and three men emerged. They fired off a few panic rounds, and the soldiers fired back. But the distance, darkness, and instinct response fire caused them to miss, and gave the enemies a chance to slip out the back door. Move up, Terrell barked, and they rushed in formation, getting to the double doors. They burst outside to see the gunman fleeing across the field, headed towards a line of trees a few hundred yards away. Coleman, he said. His partner drew his hunting rifle, lining up a shot on his first target. Not a fan of shooting people in the back, he said, and squeezed off a shot, dropping one of the men. But if they get to cover, they can warn their buddies we're coming. He lined up another shot and fired, killing the second man. And I don't know about you two, he continued, lining up another shot. But I am damn tired of getting into massive firefights. He squeezed the trigger one more time and dropped the third running man, ending the battle. We didn't start this fight, Miles said, 
running his hands over his head. Terrell snorted. But we sure as shit finished it. Now we just gotta hope that one of the three inside have the keys to the SUVs out front, Coleman said, slinging his rifle over his shoulder. Be a real shame for one of you boys to have to wander out into the field to search them. Miles raised an eyebrow. And why would we have to go? Customary, Coleman replied with a smirk. Whoever does the tagging doesn't have to do the bagging. Miles rolled his eyes. Is that some sort of sniper code? He teased. Terrell and Coleman shared a glance and then shrugged at each other, chuckling. Yes, yes it is, Coleman declared, and clapped Miles on the back as Terrell led them back inside to begin the key hunt. Chapter Four Terrell drove the group up in one of the relatively undamaged SUVs. The tinted windows were all intact, unlike the one they'd left behind. Thankfully, one of the guys inside had had the keys, so Miles didn't have to go running across a field to check dead bodies. Town can't be more than half a mile up, he mused, as Terrell pulled over on the side of the road approaching the interstate. Well, let's go see what we can see then, the captain said, and drove on the grass until they reached a dense set of trees. They found a gap large enough to pull into, giving them cover. Everyone hopped out and started walking north through the woods towards the town. As they began their journey, gunshots echoed in the distance, and they all tensed up. If they aren't shooting at us, Coleman began, then what the hell are they shooting at? They listened closely, hearing a constant stream of bullets, followed by nothing. Terrell motioned for the duo to push forward with him, but after a few more minutes, the gunfire started up again. If it's zombies, they must be really spread out, Miles said quietly. They continued moving through the trees, finally reaching the edge of the dense wood. They were a few hundred yards away from the edge of town, across an empty field. Coleman, you're up, Terrell said in a low voice. The sniper looked up at the tree above him with some big, low-hanging branches. Give me a boost, he said, and Miles linked his fingers together creating a step to heave the soldier up to the lowest branch. Coleman gracefully hopped up several branches until he was about 10 feet from the ground and then pulled his rifle from his back, peering through the scope. He scanned the area, noting a hive of activity in the town. There were several groups of armed men running in formation around the roundabout in the center, with a few men standing in the middle who appeared to be yelling at them. Another group raised their weapons after getting some instructions, before raiding a barricade that looked a lot like the ones they had back in Clinton. They squeezed off a few rounds, taking out dummies on the tops of the makeshift barricade, before helping each other over it. Coleman's breath hitched as they stormed a nearby building, firing even more shots. His stomach dropped, rolling over a few times and filling him with dread. He knew what they were training for, and what was worse, they appeared to actually be pretty proficient at it. He shuddered and then continued to scan the area, seeing each road into town had a checkpoint with two guards standing at each one. He saw a small warehouse outside of town with a water tower, and that seemed to be it for the area. He shouldered his rifle and hopped down to join his comrades. How we looking? Terrell asked, crossing his arms. Coleman's gaze darkened. It's a training facility. Training for what? Miles furrowed his brow. 
an invasion force, Coleman replied, taking a deep breath as his friends' faces went pale. They have barricades that look like ours, and they're getting damn good at getting over them. Did you see any civilians? Terrell asked, jutting out his chin. Coleman shook his head. No, just armed men trained to do us harm. So what's our best way in? The captain asked immediately. Coleman cocked his head. Every road has a couple of guards, but since we're in one of their vehicles, we should be able to catch them off guard. Especially with three of us, Miles agreed. I actually had other plans, Coleman said, and at his comrades' confused expressions, pointed to the water tower in the distance. Terrell grinned. A little cover from above never hurt anybody, he said, clapping the sniper on the shoulder. Let's move. They hurried back through the trees to the SUV and rolled out to the highway leading to town. They stopped off at the warehouse with the water tower, and Coleman hopped out of the passenger's seat. When I get going, you take out everybody, Terrell said through the open window. Coleman saluted him. If they're moving, they're getting a bullet, he promised. Moaning erupted from behind them, and the sniper turned, noting a few zombies behind the fence of the warehouse. Might need to give me a minute, he said. Terrell looked at his wrist, playfully pretending to tap a watch that wasn't there. You got 60 seconds, he said. Coleman grinned at the challenge and broke away from the SUV, rushing to the fence while drawing his knife. He jammed it through the opening into one of the zombie's eyes before repeating it on the other one, dropping both of them in a matter of seconds. He glanced back over his shoulder and gave a thumbs up. Terrell stuck his arm out the window and waved, and then hit the gas, peeling out. Coleman shook his head and then scaled the fence, landing hard on the ground and sprinting over to the water tower. As he came around the side of the building, there were a few zombies standing between him and the fence. Rather than kill them, he lowered his shoulder and dashed forward. You boys are gonna have to wait, he grunted, and barreled through them, darting for the ladder below the water tower. He huffed as he moved as quickly as he could up the tall structure. When he reached the landing, he took a knee for a moment to catch his breath and watched the SUV slowly moving up towards the checkpoint. He pulled his rifle from his back and aimed at it so he could keep track of his friends. Whenever you're ready, Cap, he said under his breath and waited. Chapter Five Terrell approached the checkpoint, and one of the guards gave him a friendly wave as they approached. The other guard remained seated on the hood of a sedan just off of the road. As soon as these boys are down, you get to that first building and get inside, the captain instructed. I'll do what I can to drive them your way. On it, Miles said, and readied his gun. Terrell stopped the SUV beside the checkpoint, prompting a wave through by the guard. The captain grunted, a little frustrated that he wasn't coming over, so he knocked on the window. The guard raised an eyebrow in suspicion, but didn't raise his weapon as he headed over. As soon as he reached the window, Terrell aimed his handgun and fired twice at point-blank range, hitting the man in the chest. The window shattered, giving him a clear shot at the seated guard. He fired twice more, killing the man, and Miles darted out from the back seat, rushing across the short field to the closest building. The noise from Terrell's gunshots alerted one of the instructors in the center of the roundabout, and he started screaming and pointing wildly in the SUV's direction. 
He didn't get to say too much, however, before his head exploded from a sniper round. That's my boy, Terrell cheered and hit the gas, speeding towards the center of town as four armed men came to the top of the road. They scrambled to aim their rifles as he sped towards them, and he lowered himself in his seat, not breaking course. As he got closer, he stomped the gas pedal and turned into the group. The men tried to scatter, but he caught two of them on the passenger side front of the vehicle. The SUV bumped up off of the ground as he plowed through and over them. The commotion drew out the others from their buildings on the opposite side of the roundabout, and they immediately began firing in Terrell's direction. He drew his assault rifle and fired several shots through the front windshield, taking out the two men who had dodged his drive through Bullets ripped through the shattered windshield and pinged off of the engine. Smoke began to rise from under the hood, signaling the engine had taken a fatal blow. Terrell mashed the gas pedal, causing a burnout as he went around the roundabout, shots peppering the side of the SUV. As he reached about halfway around, he lined the vehicle up with the half dozen men in front of the building. He flipped on the cruise control and opened the door, leaping out. He hit the road hard, stumbling across the ground, and managed to dive behind some cover at the center of the roundabout. He peeked over to see the SUV speeding towards the men, still trying to shoot it down. They scattered in time, and the vehicle crashed into the building with a loud crunch. Terrell aimed at the men to the right, the outer portion of them, and opened fire in three round bursts. He hit one of them in the chest as the other two dove for cover. Then he leapt up and ran across the street, using the smoke from the SUV to hide him, reaching the entryway of a business before taking a knee and finishing off the two men he'd missed in the first group. At this point, a dozen men in the town square had their sights set on him and opened fire. Terrell shot out the window of the store he'd stopped in front of and dove into the darkness. He laid flat on the floor, just inside the front display as the hunting supply shop exploded with gunfire. Any time now, Coleman, the captain grunted, and as if on cue, the sniper opened fire. Terrell peeked over the threshold to see a few men drop to the ground in fleshy heaps. Several of them turned in the direction of the shots in a panic, attempting to find the culprit. One managed to turn just in time to get a bullet to the face, blowing out the back of his head. Terrell used the opportunity to leap up from cover and open fire, catching a few enemies in the back. The attackers rushed back to cover, into the building next to the road that he'd driven in on. When a few men tried to run towards the other building, he fired, hitting the ground beside them to drive them in the direction he wanted them to go. Terrell broke cover, rushing back out into the town square and over to the roundabout center. He hit the ground as gunfire came his way from the building. Your show, Miles, he muttered. Inside the clothing store, Miles lay in wait at the back of the store, hiding behind the checkout counter. He heard the numerous gunshots, footsteps, and panicked chatter of the men inside. He looked over the counter and saw about eight men, all aiming their guns at the captain. He quickly hopped up from behind cover, aiming to the right, and started popping off three burst shots. At first, the men at the front of the store didn't notice, considering how loud their gunfire was. It wasn't until the third man took shots to the back that the fourth turned around and saw Miles. He panic-fired, hitting the back counter and forcing Miles to the ground. 
that counter, he screamed, and his buddies turned to help him. The soldier blindly fired through the wooden counter while attempting to get to the back storeroom. He stayed flat on the ground, laying in the doorway when the first man came around the counter. He unleashed a three-round burst, catching the man at the waistline and going up through his torso. He hopped to his feet and ran through the back storeroom, footsteps thundering behind him. As he exited the building, he fired a single shot into the air, hoping that Coleman would get the signal. He ran to the end of the building, turning back, as a man in the doorway screamed at him to stop. As their eyes met, the enemy's chest exploded from a sniper round. Before the next man could exit, Miles disappeared around the corner of the building. For the briefest of moments, there was silence in the town. No gunfire at all. It was almost eerie. It was Terrell who broke that silence. I don't know how many of you motherfuckers are left, but you may want to take a moment to look at the situation, he called from his vantage point. Look at your friends lying in the street with bullets in their heads. If you don't want to end up like them, I would very strongly suggest you throw down your weapons and come out of there. Several moments passed, but nothing happened. He growled under his breath. Since you seem to be a little indecisive, let me give you a fun fact, he bellowed. I did this amount of damage when I was nice and calm. If you're not out here in five seconds, I'm gonna start taking it personal and getting real hot. So if you don't wanna be at the receiving end of that, you'd better be out here in five, four, three. Okay, we're coming out, somebody cried from the store. Terrell aimed his rifle carefully. Nice and slow, he called. Empty hands up. Three men slowly emerged, eyes darting around everywhere hands high above their heads. Miles came around the building to flank them, waving to show them they should stay nice and civil. Terrell finally came out of cover, his gun aimed. On your knees, he barked. The three men complied, dropping to their knees on the road, hands still high above their heads. The captain slung his rifle over his shoulder and got close to the first man, a young guy in his late 20s with significant blood on his clothing. He seemed a bit shell-shocked, likely from whatever had left the blood on him. So let's see if you can make this easy on yourself, Terrell said in a low, forceful voice. Where is your camp at? The man didn't seem able to respond, face pale and eyes wide. Miles wasn't even sure that he'd heard the question. Terrell clucked his tongue. You have one more chance to answer me before you wish you opened your mouth, he warned. Where? is your camp. The man was dazed and still didn't respond. Terrell stood up straight, pulled out his handgun and cocked it, putting it against the man's forehead. The shell-shocked prisoner didn't even flinch, didn't move. Miles swallowed hard, uneasy with the situation. Goodbye, Terrell said. It's Benson, the man on the end cried, before the captain could pull the trigger. Terrell cocked his head and then uncocked his gun, walking over to the man who'd spoken, who was older, maybe in his 50s. Miles let out the breath he hadn't realized he'd been holding, glad the execution didn't go through. I didn't quite make that out, Terrell said, cupping a hand around his ear. You wanna tell me that again? The man motioned as much as he could while keeping his hands above his head. The town is called Benson. It's just up the road a bit. Could you be a little more vague on that? The captain snapped. 
There's a lot of roads in these parts. The prisoner swallowed hard. It's about 15 miles north, on the interstate. Now that wasn't too difficult, was it? Terrell asked, and then took a knee in front of the man, glaring at him. Now what else can you tell me? The man took a deep breath. It's a hardened target for one, he said shakily, with a lot more men who are better equipped and trained than what you found here. Terrell stared at him, tonguing his cheek. Man, you're good, he finally said. Honestly can't tell if you're bluffing or not. Glad we aren't playing poker. He stared him down and narrowed his eyes. Let's see if you can tell if I'm bluffing or not. He extended his arm and aimed the handgun at the middle prisoner's head, cocking the hammer back. If you lie to me, this man dies, he said, voice cold. Do you think I'm bluffing? I think if you don't like what I tell you, that you'll pull the trigger. The man in front of him replied calmly. Not sure truth comes into it. Terrell cracked a smile at his balls, but didn't break eye contact. So is Benson really a hardened target? 100%, the prisoner replied. The boss is really keen on protecting what he has, so he keeps his best men close. Ex-military, cops, and hell, pretty sure we have a couple of MMA fighters as well. If you try to pull what you pulled here, you won't see the sun come up tomorrow. Terrell studied the man before uncocking his gun and holstering it. As he did, he looked over and spotted Coleman walking up the road towards them. Miles, if they move, the captain said. Put them down like dogs. Miles nodded. You got it, Cap, he replied, and stepped up. How we looking, Coleman asked. We're fine here, Terrell replied, motioning vaguely to the prisoners. But it sounds like their camp is another story. The sniper crossed his arms. How bad? According to our boy over there, they have a small army of military cops and MMA fighters. So brute force is probably out, Terrell replied. Coleman cocked his head. You believe him? Sadly, I do, the captain admitted. Coleman shook his head in disgust as the two of them walked back over to the group. So what are we doing, Cap? Miles asked. Terrell took a deep breath. Still thinking on that one. I mean, Miles said, inclining his head towards the prisoners. What are we going to do with them? Terrell glanced at Coleman, and the sniper shrugged. Don't know about you, he said, but I'm not exactly keen on executing prisoners. The captain grimaced, understanding in the tone that it was a slight against him for opening fire on three captives yesterday, whether it was an intentional prisoner execution or not. Coleman's brow furrowed. Cap, no judgment about yesterday, he insisted putting up his palms. Emotions were raw, not gonna fault you or anybody for that. Terrell nodded in appreciation for the gesture, and then pursed his lips, heading over to the prisoner he'd been talking to. Here's the deal, he finally said. You keep telling me the truth, and you and your friends just might live through the day. I can manage that, the prisoner replied, raising his chin. Terrell crossed his arms. When are you expected back? 5 p.m., the prisoner replied. The captain reached out and grabbed the man's wrist, twisting the watch on his arm around to face him. So four hours. Give or take, the prisoner replied. 
If we're not back by 5.30, someone is bound to come looking for us. Terrell nodded. All right. He stepped away, facing his companions. I say we lock them up tight and throw away the key. If he's telling the truth, they'll come get them. So what's the plan for their camp? Coleman asked. Terrell looked around the town, finally focusing in on the clothing store. He saw a display in the window with some blood splatter on it, sparking an idea. He walked over to it, stepping through the window and disappearing into the store. Coleman and Miles shared a confused glance, but waited quietly. A few moments later, Terrell emerged with a pair of jeans and t-shirt. He walked over to the roundabout infield, dropping the clothes onto the ground and jumping up and down on top of them. He smushed them into the dirt and then pulled his knife, kneeling to slash a few holes in the jeans and shirt before coming back over to the group with his tattered outfit. Still not following, Cap, Coleman admitted. Terrell held up the clothes. Since a frontal assault isn't feasible, I'm just gonna walk in through the front door, he smirked, as a down-on-his-luck farm boy who has been surviving on his own this whole time. Coleman shook his head immediately. Oh, come on, Terrell said, lowering his arm in exasperation. You know it's a good plan. The sniper raised an eyebrow. Well, it's our only plan, he said dryly. Not sure I'd call it a good one. The captain cracked a smile. I'm gonna go get changed, he said, and motioned to the prisoners. You get them locked up, and we'll hit the road. Chapter Six Terrell stopped the SUV a mile short of Benson, pulling into a gas station parking lot. He got out in his dirtied up clothes, taking out his knife and slicing the upper part of his arm. Jesus, Cap, Coleman blurted. He shrugged as he sheathed the knife. Gotta play on their sympathies, and they might be more willing to take me in, he said. Coleman sighed. So, what's the plan? Just going to get in there and scout it out, the captain replied. Figure out how strong they are, try to find a weak spot to exploit, and most importantly, try to find out where they have our nitrate. Coleman nodded and scratched the back of his head. And where do you want a rendezvous if this goes sideways? he asked. Backtrack and exit on the interstate, Terrell instructed. There was a truck stop on the corner. The sniper nodded again and took a deep breath. We'll stay out of sight until we hear from you. Or if the sun goes down, Terrell said firmly. Coleman's gaze darkened. Cap, we aren't leaving you here. If I'm not out by sundown, then you need to get back to town, the captain insisted. You saw what they were planning, and if they have more trained men here, he trailed off. Coleman sighed. Then hopefully Miles and I can take a few of them out before we get overrun. Love the optimism, soldier. Terrell said dryly. The sniper grinned. Learned it from the best, he said. The two men chuckled and exchanged a fist bump. Terrell waved to Miles, who nodded, and then Coleman drove off. Once they were out of sight, Terrell headed up to the gas station, stepping through the broken window in the front. He smeared a little blood on one of the shards, just as a failsafe, so that if they asked where he got cut, he could point it out. After setting up his potential ruse, he grabbed a bottle of water from the cooler, one of the last remaining ones. He drank half and then poured some over his wounds, sending bloody water down his clothes to stain them. 
Well, better get hiking, he said to himself, and then headed back outside towards Benson. It felt strange being in these clothes in the middle of the road, with no weapons other than his trusty knife. He walked at a brisk pace, but did his best to look disheveled, not wanting people to think he was in top shape if anyone happened to see him. He looked up at the sign that read, Benson, one mile. With so much time to himself as he walked, the memory of yesterday crept back into the forefront of his mind, haunting him. He replayed over and over Walter being shot, but also him shooting up the prisoners with nothing else but his rage driving him. The first memory hurt, the second crushed him. You really fucked up yesterday, man, he thought to himself. Not only did you let that boy die due to your own stupidity, but you let your emotions get the better of you. You murdered three men, three prisoners. You can't be doing that kind of shit, no matter what happens. He shook his head. And what about Coleman and Miles? They gonna keep following you after this threat is over? Would you follow you? You gotta clean this shit up before it gets out of control. He snapped out of his reverie when he realized he'd reached the town. He came over a hill and saw the little community in the distance. At a glance, it looked to be the same size as Clinton, but it looked more like a rich neighborhood compared to a poor one. Every road was blockaded with welded fencing. There were several armed guards on top of every post, as well as the buildings. There were also dozens of corpses on the ground around the perimeter, putting Terrell on notice. Might want to raise your hands and wave as you approach, he thought. They might see blood and put you down without questioning it. He immediately put his arms in the air, waving them side to side as he walked the final few hundred yards to the gate. As he approached, he could see one of the guards on the roof pull out a radio and call something in. When he reached 20 yards, one of the guards put up a hand. Would you mind stopping right there for me? He asked, firmly but politely. Terrell stopped, hands still in the air. I don't mind at all he said, keeping his voice less commanding than usual. Think it would be okay for me to put my hands down? I never asked you to put them up, the guard replied with a shrug. Terrell motioned to the dead zombies scattered about. I saw your handiwork and didn't want to end up like these folks, he said. I know you aren't trying to eat us, so you're good, the guard replied, motioning to him. Terrell lowered his hands and the metal gate unlatched. It squeaked open and two men with handguns in their holsters stepped out, flanking a young man. He looked to be about 30, with dark hair and a medium build. He wore glasses and pushed them up his nose with a friendly smile. Hi there, welcome to Benson, he greeted with a soft, welcoming voice. My name's Tommy, what's yours? Terrell scratched at his arm where the knife wound was visible. You can call me Zeke, he said just in case someone in town had heard his name. Good to meet you, Zeke, Tommy replied, and then motioned to the town behind him. So what brings you our way? Terrell shook his head. Honestly, I had no idea anybody was out here, he said. I've been wandering around these parts for weeks, looking for anything to help me survive. Been on your own for weeks? Tommy raised an eyebrow. Where are you from? Terrell motioned vaguely behind him. Little town outside of Charlotte? Long way from home, huh? Tommy asked, cocking his head. How did you end up here? Terrell gazed at the ground, shaking his head. 
Bad luck, really, he said. I was driving home from the Outer Banks when this stuff started. Wrecked my car and just kind of gave up trying to get back home. Figured if it was this bad here, I could only imagine how bad it was back there. Well, you are certainly lucky to be here, Tommy replied. And though his words were friendly, he looked the captain up and down. He focused in on the injured arm. That looks kind of nasty, he said, pointing. What happened? Terrell lifted his arm. Just got this, actually, he said. Your gas station up the road there. I was clumsy going through the window and ended up slicing my arm pretty good. He held it out, and Tommy headed up to inspect it. He turned towards one of the guards and waved at him. Go check it out, Tommy said, and motioned to the gas station. The guard nodded and headed off, leaving Terrell glad he'd taken extra precaution. Staying in character, he blinked at the man. Do you think I'm lying? He asked. It's nothing personal, I assure you, Tommy said, holding up his hands. We don't mind bringing in new people to our little community, but we have to ensure our citizens' safety. If that were a bite instead of a cut, it could be really bad. Terrell nodded thoughtfully. All right, I'll buy that, he said. I mean, if you want to have your doctor check the wound, I'm all for it. Frankly, it would be nice to have it stop bleeding all over me. Tommy regarded him again sizing him up, and then finally nodded. Of course, where are my manners, he said. I'd be happy to take you to our doctor, but a couple of ground rules before you come in. Your house, your rules, Terrell said, putting up a hand. No problem. If that turns out to be a bite, Tommy said, motioning to his wound. Or if you have a bite on you, my friend here will execute you on the spot. Terrell nodded. Sound plan. I'm also going to have to ask you to turn over any weapons you might have, he said. If we find that you are trustworthy and invite you to stay, you'll have an opportunity to earn them back. Terrell's brow furrowed. Earn them back? Yes, we have some of the finest warriors in the country residing in our fair town, Tommy said proudly. And if you are so inclined, you'll be given the opportunity to try out for our security force. It's rigorous, but you look like you can handle yourself, especially if you've been out here on your own this entire time. Terrell nodded at the compliment, offering a smile. Excuse me just for a moment, Tommy said as his walkie-talkie chirped. He held it up to his ear for a beat and then clicked the button. Thank you, come on back, he said and turned to Terrell. Well, looks like your story checks out. Now what do you say we get you to the doctor? Chapter 7 Terrell followed Tommy and the guard into Benson as the gate closed behind them. He looked back and noted three heavily armed guards with assault rifles and combat gear, locking it up. Man, you boys aren't messing around, are you? He asked. Tommy shook his head. No, sir. We take the health and safety of our community very seriously, he replied. He led them down the block lined with various storefronts, most of them open. There were a few general stores with various goods, a hardware store, and even a candy store. A couple of young girls, maybe nine or ten, came out of there, each holding a candy bar, excitedly skipping along. Terrell blinked in surprise at how normal it all seemed, 
as if this weren't the apocalypse. There was no adult escort, just two kids getting candy together. There were several civilians wandering around, not in combat gear or carrying weapons of any kind, just going about their day of downtown shopping. It was surreal. Looks like the apocalypse just bypassed this town, he said. Tommy took a deep breath. Don't let the quaint small town life fool you, he said, leaning in a little. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears have gone into making this a reality. Having some troubles, are you? Terrell asked innocently. His guide nodded. You could say that. He led them up to a storefront on the corner. In a previous life, it looked like it had been an electronics store, but as they approached it, seemed to have been turned into a makeshift doctor's office. Tommy opened the door and headed inside. As Terrell followed him in, a 20-something blonde woman in nurse's scrubs greeted them. Hi, Tommy, she said with a smile. Who is your friend here? He stepped aside and motioned to Terrell. This is Zeke, and he needs some stitches and a quick once-over for bites. I think we can handle that, she said, and waved the newcomer forward. Zeke, why don't you follow me to the back, and we'll get you fixed right up. Thank you, ma'am, Terrell said politely, and shot her a thousand-watt smile, turning the charm up to 11. He mentally patted himself on the back as she blushed a little before turning to lead him to the back room. The nurse patted an empty padded chair, motioning for him to sit, while she retrieved a tray of supplies to stitch him up. So, Terrell said as he sat down, it looks like things are pretty nice here. Definitely a lot nicer than any other place I've come across. She nodded as she pulled up a rolling stool next to him. Oh, it's fantastic here, she replied. Sure, we don't have much in the way of power or some of the other creature comforts of old, but we can lay our heads down at night and not have to worry about anything coming to get us. She paused as she picked up a set of angled pliers. Well, for the most part. He studied her worried gaze as she picked up a curved needle and offered her another smile. I wouldn't worry, he said gently. It looks like this place is locked up tighter than a Catholic school. He paused, the end of that thought being girl on a prom night. But that didn't seem appropriate given his current audience. During the summer, he finished lamely. She didn't pay much attention to his hesitation, focusing on threading the needle. She began to stitch him up, lips pursed in concentration, and he hid his wince at the pain of the metal breaking his flesh. Well, she finally said as she got into a rhythm, there are some bad people out there that want to do us harm. Terrell raised an eyebrow, cocking a sly smile. Who would want to do a pretty girl like you harm, he drawled. You point them out to me and I'll take care of them. She blushed again and shook her head. Not me personally, she clarified as she kept stitching. Just everyone in our town. Why do you say that? He asked softly. There's, she paused her movements, tightening the thread. There's this other community out there that's been hunting down and killing anyone who dares to leave our town. He rolled his eyes. Oh, you're pulling my leg. No, I'm serious, she insisted, meeting his gaze. They've killed a lot of people. He furrowed his brow. Why would they do that? Because they want everything we have, she said, swallowing hard. 
They keep stealing goods from all of the stores, hoarding it for themselves, and if anybody dares to confront them, she shook her head. Pop, bullet to the head. Terrell chewed the inside of his cheek for a moment, conflicted feelings bouncing around in his chest. On one hand, he knew he'd done a lot of killing, but for the most part, it felt justified because they'd started it first. Well, he finally said, hopefully somebody can put an end to those hostilities. Seems like a crime to keep a pretty girl like you up at night worrying. She smiled with relief and finished her stitching, tying a knot in the end. Okay, Zeke, you're good to go. He looked down at his arm and his eyebrows raised at the neat little line of stitches holding his wound together. Well, I can safely say that this is the finest set of stitches I've ever gotten, he declared. Tommy appeared in the doorway and leaned against it, adjusting his glasses. Is Zeke here good to go? He asked. Yep, he's all patched up, the nurse replied. Did you give him a thorough examination? He asked. Terrell chuckled. Come on, Tommy, where are your manners? He drawled. A gentleman takes a lady out to dinner first before suggesting that. The nurse avoided his gaze, blushing again. The doctor won't be back until the end of the day, she said hoarsely, and then cleared her throat. I think Mr. Zeke here would be more comfortable with him giving the thorough examination. If you are really insistent on it, Terrell said, getting to his feet. I'll be happy to strip down for you, Tommy. His guide wrinkled his nose. That won't be necessary, he replied. We'll just keep an eye on you for the day. Fine by me, Terrell replied. But I can put your mind at ease a bit. He lifted up his shirt, showing off his well-sculpted torso, and turned around to reveal no wounds. He patted down his legs thoroughly, showing no pain and no blood coming through the fabric. When he stood up again, he took the young nurse's hand and brushed a gentle kiss across her knuckles. You consider that dinner offer too, he said, and then gave her a wink. She swallowed and just watched them head out the door. Terrell stretched his good arm over his head as he followed Tommy back out onto the street. So where to now, he asked. His guide jerked a thumb over his shoulder. I figured I would introduce you to our town leader, the boss. Terrell swallowed a lump in his throat. If there was one person that could have identified him, it would be the boss. His only hope was that the radio had distorted his voice enough that he wouldn't be able to tell. The boss, huh? He asked. That's a heck of a name there. Tommy shook his head. Between you and me, it borders on delusions of grandeur, he admitted. But he's accomplished a lot for these people, so we just roll with it. I'm not gonna argue with that, Terrell replied, holding up his palms. By all means, lead on. Tommy led them through the downtown street. More stores were open, including a large gun store. Terrell looked inside as they walked by, seeing all kinds of heavy-duty weapons. Several beefy guys were in there, checking out military-grade weaponry. The captain let out a low whistle. That's some solid gear there. Yeah, we got really lucky, Tommy replied. One of our town's founding members was a transport truck driver for a nearby military base. He was ordered to take a load of weapons to the coast, but he apparently didn't like the direction things were going, so he, uh, commandeered it. He had it stashed a good ways away, so we're just now getting it moved in and distributed.
He waved a hand around his head. Makes the threats outside these walls seem just a bit less severe, you know? Terrell took a deep breath, another lump forming in his throat at the thought of facing down all of those weapons. I can see why, he said, to keep the conversation going. You could invade France with a weapons cache like that. Well, we've had some issues of late, Tommy admitted, and we're hoping that this quells our troubles. Terrell had no doubt in his mind that they would. Taking down hunters with deer rifles was doable when one was outnumbered five to one. Taking on trained killers with military-grade weaponry, on the other hand. They walked down a few blocks, finally ending up at a cozy house just outside of downtown. Tommy led them up to the front door, where two armed guards stood on either side. Tommy, one of them greeted. Gentlemen, he replied, this is Zeke. He just showed up on our doorstep. Thought the boss would want to say hello. The guard inclined his head. Go on in. He opened the door for them, and they walked inside. The interior looked like it was straight out of a country homes magazine, with farm-themed decorations on the walls and a flowery pattern on the furniture. A few moments passed before a portly man came out of the back room. He had a used car salesman look about him, with beige slacks and a black polo shirt. Tommy, he bellowed, opening his arms. How the hell are you? Come on in and bring your friend there. He approached them and extended his hand for a shake. Boss, this is Zeke, Tommy said as Terrell shook his hand. He just came a-knocking on our little town door. Please have a seat, Zeke, the boss invited. Looks like you could take a load off. Terrell plonked himself down on the plush sofa, enjoying the comfort for a moment. I appreciate it, he trailed off, unsure of what to call him. Oh, you can just call me boss, the rotund man replied as he sat down across from him. Despite popular belief, it's actually just a nickname back from my high school football days that stuck to me like gravy on a biscuit. Football, huh? Terrell asked with a smile. Guessing a big fella like you was a linebacker? The boss waved a hand at him. Nah, running back, he replied. I loved hitting people, but I loved scoring more, so that was the best of both worlds right there. Gotta love what you do, right? Terrell said with a smile. The large man nodded and leaned back in his seat. That's for damn sure, son, he agreed, resting an arm casually over the back of his sofa. So what about you? he asked. You ever strap on the pads? Wasn't really my thing, Terrell admitted. I was more into weightlifting and bodybuilding back in high school. The boss inclined his head at him. Well, looks like you've kept up with it pretty damn good. At least until the last month or so, the captain replied. Recent events have put a bit of a damper on my workout routine. His opponent chuckled. Among other things, he said. So what's your story there, Zeke? Not every day someone comes knocking on our door. Well, as I was telling Tommy here, Terrell said, motioning to the other man. I was heading back from the Outer Banks to the Charlotte area when all this hit. Wrecked my ride, and I've been scavenging ever since. The boss pursed his lips and nodded thoughtfully. Well, I for one am glad you found your way to us, he finally said. Let me ask you, Zeke, you ex-military or anything? No, sir. Terrell replied, shaking his head. My pops was in for a while, and it messed him up in the head pretty good. 
After living with that as a kid, signing up for Uncle Sam wasn't exactly high up on my list. His opponent clucked his tongue. Understandable, he agreed. My grandfather was the same way. Used to hear a lot of stories from my grandmother about how different and vibrant he used to be before coming back home. Terrell lowered his gaze, biting his lower lip. It's rough. After a tense moment of silence, the boss clapped his hands on his thighs. Well, Zeke, let me ask you something, he said, leaning forward. I know you've been surviving the last few weeks on your own out here, but how willing are you to fight alongside some other determined young men for a chance at a better life? Might not be the life you had before all of this started, but I can promise you it'll be a whole hell of a lot better than what you've had recently. Terrell made sure to look serious and thoughtful for a few moments before nodding his head. Yeah, he said slowly. I'd be willing to do that. Not sure how much good I'm going to be to you, but I'll give it the best shot I can. Hot damn, looks like we got ourselves a player, the boss exclaimed, snapping his fingers and pointing at his new subordinate. I don't know how much Tommy here has filled you in on our current situation. Terrell shook his head. Not much at all. Allow me to remedy that real quick, his opponent said, clapping his hands together and rubbing them for a beat. Long story short, is that we got some rabble-rousers to the south of us who have been hoarding food and other supplies. They secured all the farms around here and didn't leave any food for the rest of us. To make matters worse, they've been hunting down my boys when they're out on runs for anything they can get their hands on. He pointed to the door. Now, as I'm sure you saw while walking up here, we have a fair amount of women and children here. Don't you think they deserve a chance at living through this? Terrell nodded, that knot in his throat tightening again. Absolutely. Well, our friends to the south don't think so, the boss replied, shaking his head, which is why we're preparing a little visit to them. Before he could stop himself, Terrell asked, when's that gonna happen? His opponent studied him for a moment, a suspicious gleam in his eye. Well, he finally said, we're still doing some internal debating on that, but it's gonna be sooner rather than later, I can assure you of that. With any luck, I'll be right there on the front lines with you, Terrell said, and his enthusiasm seemed to impress the man. That's the kind of spirit I like for my men, the boss said, and pointed at him. And to show you that I'm not bluffing on that better life, I'm gonna have Tommy here set you up with a house a few blocks over. Terrell feigned surprise, blinking at him. A house? He chuckled. Kind of a shame it took a zombie apocalypse for me to upgrade my digs. Now don't get too excited, his opponent replied with a half smile. We don't have working power here yet, but we have comfy, safe living. The captain patted his stomach. Any chance there's some food too, he asked. We're running a little low, the boss admitted. But seeing how you just came in from the wasteland and all, I'll have Tommy take you over to the restaurant. He glanced at his companion. Free reign, let him get whatever he wants. Tommy nodded. I'll take care of it. The boss stood up, prompting the other two to follow suit. He extended his hand, and Terrell took it, giving it a shake. Hate to cut this short, but I've got a lot to do today, the boss said motioning to the door. The captain nodded. No worries, I totally understand, he said. You do your thing. 
Glad to have you aboard, Zeke, his opponent said, and crossed his arms. You get settled in and we'll talk soon. He led them to the front door and gave a wave before locking it behind them. Tommy turned to his vetted companion. So, what do you want to do first? He asked. Check out your new house or get some food? Food for sure, Terrell replied, and the growling in his stomach wasn't a ruse. Been a while since I've had anything that was actually cooked. Tommy grinned. I got just the place for you, come on. He waved for his companion to follow, and they headed off away from the downtown area. After a short walk, they approached a nondescript house sitting in between several buildings. As they headed up the block, Terrell noticed a large group of men come out of the building. They were in army fatigues, with short, cropped hair, shoulders bulging. Military? Terrell asked. Tommy nodded. Yep, quite a few of them, actually, he replied. How did you all find them? The captain wondered. This doesn't exactly look like a military stronghold. Tommy shrugged. Most of them ended up here after disagreeing with their orders to abandon their positions, he explained. I wouldn't swear to it, but I believe a couple of them are from this town and ended up bringing their friends along with them. Regardless, I feel a lot safer with them here. I bet, Terrell agreed. They look like they can throw down. Tommy nodded. I certainly wouldn't bet against them, he said. But if you're having trouble with those... Terrell began, snapping his fingers. Rabble-rousers, as the boss put it. Why haven't these boys been sent out? His guide sucked his lip for a moment, tilting his head from side to side, as if he were unsure he was comfortable sharing too much information. They've, he trailed off, been dealing with other priorities. Terrell's brow furrowed. He could hear something was up in Tommy's voice, but he knew better than to press the issue further. He didn't want to be any more suspicious than he already was. The duo got to the door and opened it up, finding the place mostly empty. There was a large open space with several tables set up. The old farmhouse had been renovated into a nice sit-down restaurant with oil-burning lamps on the tables. An older woman approached with graying hair and a frail physique, despite her movement still seeming like she was okay zipping around. Hi there, Tommy, the usual, she asked. Yes, Maud, thank you, he replied politely. She turned to Terrell, a notepad in hand. And the new guy? You want the chicken or the beef? He smirked. Um, both, he asked hopefully. She raised an eyebrow. Zeke here just got in today, Tommy explained. So the boss wants to give him the grand treatment. She chuckled. Both it is then, she said, scribbling on her notepad. You boys sit anywhere you like. Thank you, Tommy replied, offering her a warm smile. He motioned for Terrell to pick a seat. The captain moved over towards an open window that looked to the north. As he sat down, he saw the military boys vanish a few blocks up into a warehouse. He kept watching it as Tommy scribbled away on his own notepad that he'd produced from his pocket. Several more men came and went into the warehouse over the next few minutes, some carrying large crates. Tommy finished writing and put his notepad away, folding his hands on the table. So, Zeke, you got anybody waiting on you back in Charlotte? 
he asked. Just a couple of old buddies from the block, Terrell replied, shaking his head and giving the man his full attention. Assuming they're still alive and kicking, that is. His guide offered a reassuring smile. I'm sure they are, he said. If they're hanging out with you, they gotta be tough, right? If you only knew some of the shenanigans we've gotten into over the years, Terrell replied, letting out a whoosh of breath between his teeth. Tommy leaned forward. Well, I'd love to hear any stories you'd like to share. Before Terrell could scramble up a story to tell him, Maud approached with two plates of food. The captain's eyes widened at the barbecue sauce-covered chicken breast, a gravy-covered slab of flank steak, and some green beans and mashed potatoes. Man, this looks fantastic, he gushed. Where the heck you get this stuff at? Tommy inclined his head in thanks to Maud, and then picked up his fork. Despite the best efforts of that other community, we were able to find a few goodies while out and about, he explained. Please, dig in, he motioned to Terrell's plate. The captain didn't need to be asked twice. He hadn't seen a spread like this since before everything went south. While he had a mission to complete, he felt it would be a crime against humanity to let this beautiful plate of food go to waste. He dug in like a pig at a trough. Tommy laughed, eyebrows raised. We have all the time in the world, buddy. No need to shovel it in like that. Terrell slowed down a bit, swallowing his massive mouthful. Sorry, he said, and cleared his throat. It's just been a minute since I've had something that wasn't served cold out of a can. Can't imagine having to survive off of cold beans from a can, Tommy said. The captain shook his head. Beans were a good day, he said. Imagine unheated cream of mushroom soup. They both shuddered and then ate in silence for a time. As they cleaned up the last remnants from their plates, Tommy set his fork down. So, are you serious about wanting to help out protecting this town? He asked, folding his hands in front of him again. Terrell nodded vigorously. Absolutely, he said. If it means I can eat like this and sleep with both eyes closed, I'm in. I tell you what, Tommy said, pointing a finger at him. Before we get you settled into your new house, why don't we take a little drive? The captain raised an eyebrow as he set his utensils down. Drive, he asked. Where do you want to go? Well, we have a little training compound just up the road a bit, Tommy said, and Terrell's heart skipped a beat. I'm sure some of the trainers would like to meet with you. Chapter Eight Terrell managed to hide most of his concern, but some of it must have shown through, because his guide noticed his discomfort. Don't worry, Tommy said, putting up his hands. We aren't going to be putting you through boot camp just yet. I just know some of the trainers haven't been thrilled with the quality of the newer recruits as of late, so meeting you might boost their spirits. Given how quickly we wiped the floor with them, it's not a surprise they weren't happy, Terrell thought darkly. So, what do you think? Tommy asked. The captain nodded. Absolutely, let's do it, he said. There was no graceful way out of this one. He wiped his mouth with a napkin and tossed it down onto the polished plate. Do you mind if I hit the john before we head out? I'd much rather you do it here than in my truck, Tommy replied with a half smile. Terrell chuckled. Valid point, sir, he replied. I'll be right back. 
Just go down that hallway past the kitchen, Tommy said, pointing. It'll be the last door on your right. The captain got up and worked his way to the back of the restaurant, and as he entered the hallway, the front door opened. He glanced back around the corner to see several armed men coming inside, looking around. They rushed over to Tommy and exchanged a few low words that he couldn't hear. When Tommy pointed in his direction, his stomach sank. Shit, they must have found the training grounds, he thought, and didn't want to stick around to find out. He turned and hurried to the back door at the end of the hallway. Before he could open it, it opened from the other side, and he caught a glimpse of an arm in military fatigues, so he immediately kicked the door. The door flew back, catching the man in the face, cracking his nose and sending him to the ground. Terrell burst outside, where another armed man stood. But before he could raise his assault rifle, the captain smacked the barrel down and chopped him in the throat. The sudden attack caused the man to squeeze the trigger, the bullet harmlessly hitting the ground. He struck the man's face, dropping him to the dirt. He grabbed the assault rifle and rushed off towards the warehouse that he'd seen the military men heading into earlier. The soldier on the ground with the broken nose shakily lifted his weapon and fired a few shots, but he missed badly. The noise forced Terrell to turn and fire a few bullets back, hitting the door just above the gunman. This at least bought him enough time to get to the neighboring house and under cover. Before he could even catch his breath, an alarm echoed throughout the town. He broke out from his hiding spot, rushing the warehouse. He knew it was risky, but this mission would be useless if he didn't know what was in there. He moved up a few houses when gunfire erupted from behind him. The cheap sighting exploded, sending shards of material raining down on him. He darted up to the front door, smashing through it and into the empty house. Terrell ran right to the back sliding glass door, firing a couple of rounds through it so that he didn't have to break stride. The glass shattered, and he leapt into the backyard, seeing a figure to his left. He raised his weapon to fire, but held off when he saw it was just a few young kids frozen with fear in a sandbox. Lay down beside the house now, he barked, and the kids screamed and rushed for cover. The pause gave his pursuers a chance to catch up, and one of them came around the side of the house. Terrell fired a warning shot in the air as he was worried about the kids that were still in the line of fire. The gunfire startled his pursuer, causing him to duck back around the house. The captain ran up the block, darting between houses as bullets continued to whiz by him and hit the structures he ducked behind. As he approached the next block where the warehouse was, he was greeted by gunfire coming from that direction too, causing him to dive behind yet another house. He aimed back in the direction he had come from, waiting for someone to come around the corner. He didn't have to wait long. An overly ambitious pursuer came around the corner, and Terrell immediately squeezed the trigger. A single round penetrated the man's gut, dropping him. His companion stopped behind cover and aimed and fired towards him. They exchanged fire as Terrell ran down the backside of the house. When he rounded the bend, he immediately turned and fired blindly, catching a few gunmen by surprise and forcing them behind cover. He didn't stop moving, running up the road towards the warehouse. He hip-fired as he crossed the street, pinning down the two soldiers still shooting at him. When he reached the other side of the road, he took cover behind a tree, peeking out. The warehouse had a large open door on the back wall. 
He broke cover and rushed towards it, only to see half a dozen armed men emerge. He aimed in their general direction and fired, causing them to scatter. This bought him enough time to get across the side street and dive behind a tree. Terrell peeked out again and saw a large metal structure inside the warehouse, looking similar to Clinton's own bomb. There were several men loading up stuff into it, although he couldn't see what it was. That's gotta be it, he thought bitterly, but didn't have much time to contemplate further as bullets peppered the tree and the ground around it. Terrell looked around, back down the street away from the warehouse, and saw the outer wall. He knew this was all of the information he was going to get, so he broke cover, rushing for the wall. As he did, he flipped the assault rifle into three round bursts and started randomly firing behind him. The panic fire wasn't accurate, but it was enough to buy him a few seconds to get ahead. When he reached the edge of the house, he ducked behind it, moving along in the yard. When he got to the next house, he came around the corner, firing a few more rounds for cover before the gun clicked empty. Shit, he muttered, but held on to the empty weapon as he sprinted for the wall. When he reached the street running along it, he looked frantically for a path up to the top. There was a wooden platform built up about 30 yards away, with a ramp that went straight up. At the top of the 10-foot ramp was a lone guard who stared back towards the warehouse where the gunfire had come from. Terrell rushed the platform, the empty rifle pointed right at the man. As soon as he hit the planks, the guard stared at him with wide eyes. Drop it now, the captain barked, and the guard immediately dropped his gun, raising his hands as Terrell rushed him. Three quarters of the way up, pursuing gunmen came around the corner and began firing at him. Bullets hit the wall and platform, and he had no choice but to toss the gun and reach the surrendering guard. He hit the man in full stride, grabbing him by the shirt, as his momentum carried them off of the platform. As they fell, Terrell put his shoulder into the man's chest, who screamed all the way down. They hit the ground with a thud, the guard's ribs crunching beneath them. Terrell grabbed the handgun from his holster as he gasped for air, just as the first gunman reached the top of the platform. The captain aimed and squeezed off several rounds, catching the gunman in the leg. This gave him enough time to run off into the tree-lined neighborhood beside the town. As he darted through the trees, bullets peppered the area, but none hit their target. Terrell finally ducked beside a house to catch his breath, about a hundred yards away from the outer wall of town. He looked back to see a few gunmen had jumped down to join their injured comrade, creating a perimeter around him. He waited for a beat, staring at them, hoping they would be content letting him go. Alas, it wasn't to be, as three men in military garb moved swiftly in his direction. Seriously, guys, he huffed under his breath. Haven't you had enough of me today? Terrell watched as they broke off from each other, jetting out diagonally to cover several houses at once, their assault rifles in the ready-fire position. He contemplated his actions as one of them headed directly towards him. One shot and his buddies will be on me, he thought not to mention his friends back at town. He shook his head and pulled his knife, knowing this would be the only way to make a clean escape. Terrell watched as the man reached the end of the first house, quickly darting around the corner with his gun ready. The captain got into position at the front end of the building, knife in hand, just above the bushes. He listened closely as the soldier's footsteps got closer. 
As soon as he saw the barrel of the gun emerge, he struck, lunging forward and driving the tip of the blade into the man's throat. The enemy immediately dropped the gun to grab his wound. Terrell grabbed the gun and threw the man to the ground between the bushes and the house. He didn't wait around, immediately running towards the next row of houses, pausing only briefly before running to the next. At the sight of an open back door, he ran into the house and ducked for cover. He looked back towards where he'd come from, looking as far to either side as he could. He saw his other two pursuers, checking around the corners of the house, looking into windows for him. His chest heaved, still winded from the fall and the running. Why aren't you running, man? He chastised himself. You're ahead of them, get moving. He motivated himself off of the floor and to the front door of the house. When he opened it, there was a zombie directly in front of him, who turned and lumbered towards him. Terrell didn't attack, rather he grabbed the creature, threw it back through the open door and slammed it shut. He rushed off to the next house, darting around the side of it for cover. The slamming door might have given him away, but at least the zombie inside might have been just enough to buy him some time. He hid as he saw two soldiers converge on the house, moving in tandem up to the closed door. One of them threw it open, and the zombie lunged for his throat. They tumbled to the ground, and his friend had to pry the creature off of him. They both opened fire on the ghoul, sending several rounds into it. Terrell prepared to move, but one of them pulled out a walkie-talkie. They chattered into it for a moment, before the two of them headed back towards town. The captain took a knee, exhausted and banged up, but thankful that they'd called off the search, at least for now. Don't get too comfortable, he told himself. It's still a hell of a hike to the gas station. Terrell groaned and heaved himself to his feet, staggering off towards the meeting spot, several miles away. He walked slowly starting out, so he could recover his stamina before what was sure to still be a shit show of a day. Chapter 9 it took a good hour or so for Terrell to find his way to the gas station the next exit up. While he had recovered from the fight and fall, he was being extra cautious, not only wanting to remain hidden from any patrols that might have been out looking for him, but not wanting a zombie encounter either. He finally made it within view of the station and took a knee on the side of the road by some trees. He studied the area for a bit, not seeing the SUV, which wasn't surprising, but at least he was relieved to see no signs of conflict. Terrell came out from cover and moved quickly across the road towards the station, a convenience store-type building with a few pumps out front. He reached the front door, opening it slowly and inching his way inside while remaining low in case of trouble. The shelves were mostly bare, having been looted long ago. As he gently shut the door, a familiar voice spoke up. Beginning to worry about you, Cap. Coleman said. Sounded like a whole lot of gunfire a while ago. Terrell stood up, heading over to Coleman and Miles, who were lounging comfortably on the back cooler. Yeah, it took them a little bit, but my cover got blown, he admitted. At least it was after lunch. Miles groaned. Ah, oh, man, you got lunch, he whined. No doggy bag for us? Terrell glanced at the shelf beside him, seeing the only thing left was a box of vegan granola bars. He grabbed one and tossed it over. Sorry, bud, this is all we got. Miles looked at the packaging and then tossed it aside with a scoff. 
Pretty sure it would be more appetizing to eat the wrapper, he said. So what did you find out? Coleman asked, leaning forward. Nothing good, Terrell admitted, taking a seat. They have a small army of ex-military and the weapons to properly arm them. Coleman winced. Guessing we're not talking hunting rifles and shotguns. Terrell handed over the assault rifle he'd taken from the last gunman. His companion looked it over and let out a low whistle. Where in the hell did they find these? He asked. Terrell rolled his eyes. One of them fed me a bullshit story about finding a military supply truck, he said. My guess is this is some of the stuff they took from the base before we got there. Coleman handed it over to Miles, who shook his head. If they got these and the people who know how to use them, we're in some trouble, he said as he inspected the gun. Coleman sighed. That's an understatement. They also have a fertilizer bomb, Terrell added. Miles' eyes widened. Like ours? Bigger, the captain said. Guess they had the same idea we did when it came to the Fayetteville horde. Coleman groaned. Guessing reacquiring the nitrate is out of the question. Not unless you want to fight an army, Terrell replied. His companion pursed his lips. So what can we do, he asked. Running to the hills doesn't sound like a bad option at the moment, Terrell said. Other than the obvious, Coleman quipped. I mean, can we detonate it there? An uncomfortable silence fell over the trio. Terrell finally broke it. Lots of issues with that, he said. Besides getting in there undetected, we'd need a detonator. I can handle that, Miles said, raising his hand. I've been building one back in town that I can use. The captain clenched his jaw. The other problem is that there are a lot of civilians. No offense, Cap, Coleman said slowly. But you didn't seem too concerned with civilians this morning. Terrell took a deep breath. Yeah, wasn't my proudest moment, that's for sure, he said. Just kind of lost my head after Walter, you know? You don't owe us an explanation, Coleman said gently. We get it. It's no big deal with me either, Cap, Miles added. Terrell let out a deep sigh of relief. Appreciate it, fellas, he said honestly. Means a lot to me. Still, Miles mused, we could detonate it there. I can put a hard timer on it, give people 10 minutes to get to safety. Coleman wrinkled his nose. That's a lot of time for someone to disarm it, he said. Not with the way I'm going to set it up, Miles quipped. His partner cocked his head. Touche. I'm not a fan of the plan, Terrell put in. But at the moment, we don't really have another viable one. How long until you can have that detonator ready? Miles shrugged. Four, maybe five hours? Well, let's build it and go from there, the captain said. Worst case, we'll have an ace up our sleeve. Coleman nodded. Not the worst plan I've heard. If that's the case, then I'm glad my military career ended early, Miles said. And the trio chuckled, breaking the tension a little. Yeah, I've got stories, Coleman began. Terrell pointed a finger at him. You shut up now, that's an order. His friend whispered loudly, his plans, while playfully motioning to his captain. I heard that, Terrell declared. The trio headed out of the gas station and back towards Clinton, trying to ignore the heavy storm cloud hovering over them. 
Chapter 10 The sun began to set over the town of Clinton. There were a few more guards up on the towers than usual, at Terrell's behest. Miles slaved away in his workshop at a complicated trigger device as Coleman watched. Terrell entered and crossed his arms, standing next to the sniper. How are we looking? he asked. About 15 minutes closer from when you asked me 15 minutes ago, Miles replied, voice terse. The captain backed off a bit, leaning against the counter that Coleman was sitting on. What about you, Cap? Coleman asked. Figure out a way for us to get in undetected? Terrell chuckled. Don't suppose you know how to hang glide, do you? He asked. Why, do you have a hang glider? Coleman cocked his head. The captain raised his eyebrows at him, shooting him a playful look, and they both laughed. Miles raised his head, flipping up the magnifying monocle from his eye. Unless you boys know a good plastic surgeon, I'd rather not blow my fingers off, he snapped. Would you mind taking that outside? The supervising duo lowered their heads, whispering, sorry, in sync, and quietly left, leaving Miles to his delicate work. As they emerged into the evening, torches were being lit in the town square to illuminate it for dinner. Ruth and Jane were hard at work on their fire, with a few people already congregating for food. It's a shame it's come to this, Terrell said with a sigh. So many nice people, just wanting to live life. I almost feel a little responsible for it getting to this point. Coleman shook his head. Cap, without us, this place would have been overrun weeks ago, he said. If nothing else, we bought them some time. Terrell appreciated the sentiment, even if he didn't 100% agree. As they stood together enjoying the cooler evening air, Xavier approached. Gentlemen, he greeted and clasped his hands behind his back as he reached them. Was today a fruitful expedition? Coleman shrugged. We got some vital information, even if it wasn't ideal, he said. And you, Captain? Xavier asked. How was your day of violence? Terrell rolled his eyes, but didn't meet his gaze. Oh, you know, nothing unnecessary. That's good to know, the old man quipped. The captain sighed. In all seriousness, there was bloodshed, but in every instance, they attacked first. Except for the people they were training to breach our town defenses, Coleman muttered. Xavier motioned to the walls. I was wondering why we had extra guards on duty this evening. It's just a precaution, Coleman assured him. We don't expect them to. Before he could finish, several shots rang out in the distance. The front guard tower exploded with gunfire. Shards of wood raining everywhere. The three guards on top dove for cover. Get Miles and our guns, Terrell barked. Meet me at the guard tower. He turned to Xavier. You get people to cover. The old man nodded and immediately rushed off as Terrell sprinted across the town square towards the guard tower. As he approached, there were several more rounds of fire, pinning them down. When he reached the tower, Hoyt and his teenage snoozer crawled down the stairs as their third partner popped up and tried to aim at something relatively close to them. Several bullets pierced his chest, and he flopped forward over the barrier and to the street below. Terrell met Hoyt at the bottom of the stairs, the young teen staring up at him with wide, tearful eyes. Give me your gun, the captain demanded, and Hoyt handed over the hunting rifle. Now you get to cover and stay there, he said. Hoyt nodded and rushed off, dragging the panicked teenager behind him. 
Terrell cautiously walked up the stairs, rifle aimed upwards. As he reached halfway, a set of hands planted themselves at the top of the platform. He paused on the stairs and aimed, and as soon as a head popped up, he fired. The bullet ripped through a man's face, sending his body flying back. There was another torrent of gunfire, forcing Terrell to remain on the stairs as the wooden barrier above him was shredded to pieces. He bolted in another round and readied himself, slowly moving up the steps as a couple more rounds came his way. When the firing finally subsided, he peeked over the threshold, seeing out in the darkness. There were two gunmen standing about 30 yards away on the street, aiming in his direction, but he stayed low enough that they couldn't get a good read on him. He backed down a step, readying his rifle before quickly popping up and firing, hitting one of them in the chest. He ducked back down quickly as gunfire exploded around his position once again. Looking up, he saw two more sets of hands on the top of the barricade. He quickly aimed and fired, catching one of them in the shoulder and sending the body tumbling back. He tried to bolt in another round, but he was out. He reached for his knife as the other man climbed up and readied his weapon. But there were a couple of gunshots from above, sending Terrell back to cover. He glanced up and saw that the invader on the platform was down. Terrell looked up and saw Coleman and Miles standing on the roof above him, laying flat on the ground. Cap, you need to come see this, Coleman hissed. But stay low when you get up here, you'll see why. Terrell swallowed hard, a knot forming in his stomach as he climbed up to the roof. He slithered forward on his stomach, about halfway across the rooftop. As he moved, he could see dozens of lights moving in the distance. Looks like the boss is upset we paid him a visit, he snarled. Miles shook his head. That seems like an understatement. So any ideas, Cap? Coleman demanded. Terrell took a deep breath. Start scoping it out and hope you find something. The sniper scanned the horizon with his rifle, hoping to find a weakness in the silhouettes of countless armed men dancing in the distance. See anything? Terrell asked. Coleman shook his head. I see plenty of stuff, he replied. None of it good, though. Can we attack them from the flank? Miles asked. Terrell clenched his fists. Not enough ammo or cover to make that work. I got something, Coleman said. What you got? The captain asked, as he and Miles studied the lights. Looks like they're gonna try another breach, Coleman replied. I see four men in formation coming across the field. Terrell squinted. Where? He asked. About 20 yards to the right of the road, the sniper replied. The captain focused and finally spotted shadows moving in the darkness. You boys cover me, he said. I got this. I'll do my best, Coleman said. Once they get away from the lights, I'm gonna be hard pressed to find them. Terrell nodded. Just keep an eye on me then, and I'll lead you to them. Coleman nodded as the captain rushed down the side of the building, landing on the platform below. He dropped down over the side, hugging the wall to remain in the shadows. He rushed over to the edge of the building, seeing nothing but blackness. Once his eyes adjusted, he finally saw the outline of the four attackers, about 60 yards away. He took out his hunting knife and crouched as he moved forward, using the darkness to his advantage. The grass in the field wasn't too high, but with very little light, he was able to blend into it. As the group approached his position, 
He saw that all of their guns were down as they moved, assuming that they wouldn't be attacked unaware. When they got within ten yards, Terrell sprung up, darting quickly towards them. The first man heard Terrell before he saw him, but couldn't make a noise before the knife did its work into his chest. Contact, contact, one of the others yelled, and they scrambled to raise their weapons, but Terrell was quick. He shoved the first man back into two of the others as he moved to strike the other one. There was a gunshot, but he was able to deflect the barrel so it hit harmlessly on the ground. He jammed the knife into the man's throat and ripped it out again. The muzzle flash gave Coleman the visual cue he needed, so he quickly took aim and fired, striking one man in the chest. The blood splatter hit the last remaining man in the face, stunning him. He blindly fired, narrowly missing the captain as he rushed forward. Terrell drove the blade through the man's heart, and then startled when the entire battlefield lit up. He looked around frantically and saw that a large flare had been shot up into the sky, leaving him completely exposed. He took off running back towards the town as gunfire erupted behind him. Terrell managed to get to the gate, leaping up on top of it to safety as the gunfire behind him subsided. He breathed heavy as he collapsed over the fence and onto the platforms as the flare hovered in the air. The bright light illuminated the field as constant gunfire echoed in the distance. Miles peeked his head over the edge of the neighboring building, taking a break from being a spotter for Coleman. Cap, you all right? Had my fill of cardio for the day, Terrell replied, holding a thumb up. But other than that, I'm peachy. Well, you'd better check this out, Miles replied, pointing to the road leading into town. There were four military armed guards standing in the road, with the boss standing directly in front of them, holding a large white flag. Didn't peg them as the surrendering type, Terrell muttered. Miles stared down at him. What do you want to do? Given we're still outnumbered 40 to 1, I guess I should go have a chat with him, the captain said. Miles nodded. I'll make sure Coleman has him directly in his sights. Terrell gave him another thumbs up. And I'll make damn sure he knows that. Chapter 11 Terrell peeled himself up off of the deck, hopping down onto the pavement below. He looked around at the ground, several dead bodies littering it. He took out his knife and sliced a piece of a rapidly reddening white shirt and held it above his head. He walked apprehensively towards the boss and his men, knowing that this could go bad very quickly. He looked past them, still seeing dozens of lights still moving about, the shadows of an army in the distance. When he reached 10 yards away, the boss held up his hand to get him to stop. That's far enough there, Zeke, he bellowed. Or should I say, Terrell? Liked my acting job, did you? The captain asked, lowering his arm. The boss cocked his head. I'll admit, I had my suspicions when you showed up on our doorstep, but I mistakenly put them aside, he said, and his gaze darkened. I can promise you, I won't be making that mistake again. And like you, Terrell replied, putting a hand over his chest. I've learned from my mistakes over the years, which is why my sniper is currently aiming at your head. Anything happens to me, you die first. We clear on that? The boss nodded. Wouldn't expect anything less. So I'm curious about something, Terrell said, crossing his arms. If you'd indulge me. 
His opponent raised his chin. Of course. How did you boys figure out I was a threat? The captain asked. Well, lucky for us, the boss replied, motioning to his entourage. And unlucky for you, just before you demolished our little training camp, they had called for the dock. He got there about the same time you got to us. One radio call later, and the hunt was on. Terrell shook his head. That's a shame, he said with a faux sigh. I would have loved to go back to that little restaurant. Would you be so kind as to compliment the chef for me? Maud will appreciate that, the boss replied. The captain took a deep breath. So, he said slowly, why don't you tell me what we're doing here? The boss began to reach into his pocket and then paused. Would you be so kind as to tell your man to hold off for a second, he asked. I'd hate to get a lead migraine just for getting something you need to see. Terrell nodded and put his hand up, signaling Coleman to stand down. He furrowed his brow as the boss pulled out a video camera and then tossed it over. The captain caught it and turned it over in his hands. Home movie, he asked. Of sorts, his opponent replied. Why don't you flip it open there and hit play? Got it queued up and everything for you. Terrell complied and hit play. A grainy night vision video started up of a massive horde, easily up to a thousand zombies. They were all staggering behind a pickup truck as it rolled slowly down the highway. I've seen zombies before, Terrell said, confused. The boss smirked. I'm sure you have, but keep watching. The captain looked down at the screen, watching the horde lumbering along the road. After a few moments, the camera panned around to the front of the truck as it passed a road sign that read, Clinton, 12 miles. A sickening feeling rolled through Terrell's stomach. It tightened as he read the timestamp, revealing the video was taken a half hour ago. Guessing the timestamp on that is accurate, he asked, swallowing hard. The boss nodded. Yep, to the minute. The captain stared at the screen for another moment, blinking away his anxiety when the gate creaked open behind him. Some of the guards tensed up, and Terrell held up a hand. Settle down there, it's just Xavier, he said. This is his town. The boss grinned. Well, that makes life easier for me, he declared. I was just about to ask if you were the decision maker around here. Gentlemen, Xavier greeted, clasping his hands behind him as he stepped up beside Terrell. My name is Xavier. How may I be of help to defuse this situation? The boss bowed a little and grinned. Well, how's it going there, Xavier? You can call me boss, he declared brightly. I know it sounds overly pretentious, but it's just an old nickname. Don't want you thinking you're dealing with someone with an inflated ego or anything. Xavier simply stared at the man, gaze level and cool. But I'm rambling, boss continued. Let me get to the point. Your town has something we need, a whole lot of something we need, food. We know you've been stockpiling stuff from the local farms, and frankly, we'd like to get our hands on it. The old man nodded. I'm sure we could come to some sort of trading arrangement, he said. There's no need for all this violence. Well, you say that, the boss replied, holding up a finger. But when we tried to negotiate, your attack dog here went into overdrive. I mean, we found one of our men crushed underneath a carjack. 
And not one of those you find in the back of a car. I'm talking about one of those industrial grade ones at the mechanic's shop. Would need a fire hose to get that mess cleaned up. Xavier glared at Terrell, but he just shrugged. He killed Walter, he said simply. The old man turned his gaze on the boss. It would appear as though mistakes were made on both sides. All right, I'll grant you that, his opponent admitted. But of late, it seems like your friend here has been making far more mistakes than my men. Just today he killed a couple dozen of my men when they were just out exercising. Terrell growled. Don't tell me you believe this horseshit, Xavier. The old man held up a hand to silence the captain. So, boss, how do you see this situation being resolved? He asked. The boss stroked his chin and grinned a bit, and then motioned to Terrell. Why don't you show him the tape? Tape, Xavier asked. Terrell clenched a fist. They're leading a thousand zombies this way. Xavier's eyes widened, and he stared at the boss. Why would you do such a thing? He gasped. Because I believe in negotiating from a position of strength, his opponent replied simply. The old man glared at Terrell again, and then let out a sigh before turning back to their enemy. What do you propose? Finally, a reasonable man to deal with, the boss said, clasping his hands together with glee. It's simple. You and your people will come to Benson and be a part of our community, as will all of the food you've stockpiled the last few weeks. He cocked his head. However, he dragged out the word as he stared at the captain. Terrell and his soldier friends are to be exiled. They have caused far too much grief and pain to be citizens of my community, and they aren't welcome. In exchange, my men will move the horde away from town, and we will drive the Fayetteville horde away as well. Xavier contemplated, and Terrell gaped at him. You can't seriously be considering this, he cried. This man can't be trusted. Again, the old man held up his hand to silence him. I have conditions, he said. Terrell growled with exasperation, which brought out an even bigger grin on the boss's face. But of course, he said. Xavier took a deep breath. I believe children should be shielded from the horrors of this world as long as possible, he said. So I want your word that nobody under 16 will be put into any sort of combat situation. We already have that in place, the boss said, with a wave of his hand. What else? The old man raised his chin. I have some older people in my care, and I would like them to have whatever they need. We have a great doctor and plenty of medical supplies, the boss assured him. So, are we in agreement? He asked, his grin practically maniacal. Xavier paused and glanced at Terrell. I know these boys have caused you and your people a great deal of harm, he said slowly. But they have risked their lives for me and mine. I would like to make sure they are stocked up with supplies for their journey ahead. Absolutely, the boss replied, nodding like a bobblehead. Food, water, weapons, whatever you would like. We'll get a truck loaded up for them and they'll be good to go. Xavier contemplated for a moment again, and then looked at the captain, who wore a defeated look. The old man's gaze softened in apology, and then he turned to the boss. I agree to your terms, he said, and then stepped forward to shake his hand. With that, he turned and silently walked back through the gate. Terrell just stood there, 
staring at the boss, sick to his stomach, knowing that the asshole had won. His opponent continued to grin. You did put up a good fight, I'll give you that. You know the saying over, right? Terrell growled. The boss went from smiling to deadly serious as he stepped forward. Let me make this perfectly clear, he said, voice level as steel. We're giving you a truck and some supplies, which you're going to take and drive south. Southeast, southwest, don't really care, so long as it's south. Everything north of here is mine. If any of my men see you, think they see you, or turn up dead, everybody from this town is going to die a torturous death, he sneered. Not a shot to the back of the head, not slitting of the wrists in a warm bathtub. I'm talking strapped to a post outside the town and charging spectators to watch them be eaten alive kind of death. He clucked his tongue. And frankly, if you don't agree to this right now, I'm gonna say fuck it and order my men to rip this town apart and make you watch. So, what's it going to be? Terrell grimaced, hating the position he was in. Reluctantly, he nodded, knowing that this was what was best for the town and the people in it. Just park the truck out front, he said, voice hoarse. We'll be gone in 30. The boss stared down his nose. You got 20. He turned and walked away his army of bodyguards joining him. Terrell stood there, watching him, broken. He'd lost. Cap, what's up? Coleman asked, as he and Miles met Terrell just inside the gate. He shook his head. Xavier sold us out, he said. We're being exiled, and they're moving everybody in with that asshole. The soldiers swallowed hard, frustrated that none of their sacrifices had done a single thing. So where are we going, Miles asked, shoulders slumping. Terrell shook his head. I was told that we can go south, he replied, dejected. Other than that, I don't know. So when are we leaving, Coleman asked, that usual brightness gone from his tone. The captain hung his head. We got about 18 minutes to get our stuff and go. Fuck, Miles breathed. The trio stood in stunned silence for a few moments, and then finally Coleman snapped his fingers. All right, let's get our shit then, he declared forcefully. Nothing like kicking off another adventure. Terrell sighed, though he appreciated the enthusiasm. That's way too positive of an attitude right now. Coleman chuckled and patted him on the back, and the three defeated men went to secure their gear for their new journey. Chapter 12. An hour later, the boss sat on a bench in the center of town, eating a plate of food prepared by June and Ruth, who sat tensely by their fire. Ladies, I have to admit, this here is some damn fine southern cuisine, he declared. If my grandmother were still around, I'm sure she'd be pestering you for the recipe, which is all the more impressive given your limited cooking options. The two ladies didn't talk simply sitting in stunned silence. One of the boss's guards approached from behind them, carrying an assault rifle. We're looking good, boss, he said. Already ran one load over to Benson and getting another one packed up now. The boss nodded. Good, good, he said. About how much longer do you need? Shouldn't be any more than a couple of hours, 
the man replied. They had quite the stockpile, and given the fragility of a lot of it, we- His leader waved his hand to stop him from talking. You ain't gotta explain it to me, son, he said dismissively. I'm good with a couple of hours. As he started to head away, the boss whistled to get his attention. If you wouldn't mind, can you please escort these two ladies to town? He asked. Set them up in a nice house. Can't afford to lose cooks as good as these. The man nodded and gently prodded June and Ruth up off of their bench, ushering them towards his truck. The boss finished his meal and tossed the plate onto the grass as Tommy approached, fiddling with his notebook. What do you say, Tommy? The boss asked. His subordinate nodded. Just heard from Marco. His team successfully diverted the horde away from town, he reported. He should be here any minute. That is fantastic news, the boss declared. How are we looking with a civilian draft, as it were? Tommy checked his notes. We have 28 people that will be useful in town, either as frontline fighters or those with specialties, he replied. Everybody else would be a drain on our resources. Make that 30, the boss added. I just sent the two country cooking chefs back. Food's just too damn good. 30 it is, Tommy replied, scribbling away. We have plenty of housing, so that won't be a problem. The boss nodded and pointed a finger at him. I knew I could count on you, buddy. Do you know where Xavier is? Tommy asked. He had asked me for an update on moving people to Benson, and I was going to break the bad news to him that we've taken everybody we're going to take. The boss smugly smiled and pointed behind him. About 10 feet away from the bench lay Xavier, dead on the ground from a bullet wound to the head. I kind of broke that news to him a little while ago, and he didn't exactly take it too well, he said casually. It took a little convincing on my part, but he finally saw it from my point of view. Tommy shrugged, but before he could respond, the front gate opened up. They turned and saw the large diversion bomb rolling in with a few SUVs. Looks like Marco was here, he said. The boss waved him off. If you wouldn't mind sending him my way, I would appreciate it, he said. Oh, and since I'm the sporting type, tell the people who are being left behind that we're detonating that thing in two hours. So if they want to flee, they'd better get a move on. He snapped his fingers. Oh, and see if you can find some lawn chairs to sit around it, just in case some of them want to take the easy way out. Nothing wrong with being comfortable on your way out. Will do, boss, Tommy replied, and scurried away to do his job. The boss leaned back on the bench, watching the town being cleaned out by his men. A few moments later, Marco approached, flanked by a few of his team. Good job on that horde, the boss commended, as he stood up to greet them. Marco motioned to the convoy with a muscular arm, standing tall in his military fatigues. Thank you, boss, he said stiffly. Would you like us to start prepping the bomb for detonation? No, I have a much more important mission for you, the boss replied. You and your men are going on a hunt. The three soldiers from this town that have caused us so many problems the last couple of weeks headed south of here an hour ago. I want you to track them and eliminate them in any way you see fit. He grinned. Although if you want to make them suffer a bit, I'll consider it a bonus. Do they have a destination? Marco asked. The boss shook his head. Not to my knowledge. However, they were dumb enough to take one of our trucks. 
Marco smirked. If they are that stupid, they shouldn't be too difficult to take out, he drawled. The boss's brow furrowed. They made a mistake, but don't underestimate them, he said formally. I won't, Marco assured him. Good, his leader replied, smiling again. Now Tommy has set you up with a proper loadout, so you'll have everything you need. Marco nodded. Tracker, set up in all four vehicles, the boss said. I'll get it done, boss, Marco promised. The boss clapped him on the back. Was never a doubt in my mind that you would. He turned towards the town as his men went off like busy little bees, beaming with pride that Clinton had been checked off of his to-do list. End of book 10. Up next, Terrell and company face new threats as they search for their next destination in Carolina Front, part seven. <laughs>